Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And we are back with you. Thanks for tuning in for this week leading up to May 15th, the fifth Sunday of Easter. Uh, we'll be talking about this lovely gospel from John chapter 13. Mm-hmm. So excited. We've had a lot of John lately. Yeah, I know. It happens in Easter, you know. Mm-hmm. We get lots of narrative things other times of the year, but in the Easter season, we're like, I think it's because we're thinking about like resurrected Jesus, and so we're going back into John to hear Jesus mm-hmm. talk about his expe- expectations for post-resurrection life with the disciples. Yeah. So that's why we get all these farewell discourse readings. It almost feels like exploring the nuance. Yeah. It's like the thing happened and now we go back and like read mm-hmm. these verses that he was like projecting forward, but we look at them back through the lens of Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get to that, we always like to check in with one another uh, about where we've seen or felt God's movement in our lives or not this past week or so. So, Charlotte, you volunteered. I did. You have one. I want the record to show that it was your turn. It, it is my turn. Um, but because I had a good one, I'm I'm cutting the line. That's right. Which means that you will then go next week again. So that'll be no! three times. <laughs> Just kidding. No, Jeff Martinhawk is with us that's next right, week. We right. have a guest. The week after that, you can go again. Okay. Um, But anyway, we digress. And actually, mine just happened two days ago. And David, you were there as well. But one of the things that came back into being after a long hiatus um, is in-person meetings of the Diocese of San Diego's Children and Youth Collaborative. And so that is when people who work in those ministries gather together and we plan together, we train together, we commiserate together. Lots of commiserating. Uh-huh. Um, we support each other is really what that is. And it's wonderful in many regards because we can glean great information from each other. We can garner support when we're floundering. But most importantly, it's that the work that is done in those fields is really specific work. Mm-hmm. And in your parish context, in your congregation, you don't have any colleagues that do what you do or understand the randomness of having to stuff chocolate eggs and teach people about communion in the same, you know, 20 minute window. And so, or at the same time or at the same time. (laughs) Yes. Both. And, um, but being around people who do that work every day, you can feel, I'm going to go with the Holy spirit in that place, um, that you can feel it just weaving in an amount, out of each person um, and informing the way that we connect to each other um, and then also the way that we move forward from there. And there was a lot of excellent work that was done and there was a lot of laughter that was shared, um, which was really important too. Mm-hmm. We can, you know, share on Faith to Go. The We can ask our listeners on Faith to Go also how they feel about Honeydew Melon. Um <laughs> But that laughter will carry me um, through lots of bumps on the road of head uh, on all of that, that simple joy. And I saw God moving and the Holy Spirit breathing all through that space in that meeting on Monday. Yeah, yeah it was so fun to be in the same place, you know, because we've had youth collaborative meetings on Zoom, mm-hmm. you know, since COVID. So it's not like the group stopped communicating and supporting one another. But 
it was amazing to just be back all together, such a different energy, as we all know, you know, to be able to to be with one or one another and support one another in that way and see each other's faces. So mm-hmm. that was so fun. Maybe this week our poll will be about honeydew. You came down anti honeydew. I'm not anti honeydew. I feel like it is, and this is very. It's a controversial take. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it is the filler of the fruit bowl. Yeah. That it doesn't really do anything one way or the other, mm-hmm. and yet people use it to, you know, cut back yeah. on the high quality ingredients in the fruit right. bowl. I think melons generally. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I think cantaloupe is probably a step up for me about honeydew in terms of taste. I feel neutral, <laughs> but we had a colleague who everyone knows here, <laughs> Maya Lasagna, who was very passionate, passionate love for honeydew yes and has sent me pictures of her eating honeydew since that meeting on monday yeah and (laughs) really it was quite a big reveal actually for the group (laughs) and really for faith to go i think to know that maya loves honeydew like will go out of her way to order and find honeydew flavored items items, i know which i just assumed i didn't exist water (laughs) honeydew flavored i don't know water that someone accidentally dropped some sugar in Maybe. Um, so anyway, we'll we'll post that on Instagram. Check that out. Make sure you participate in that important theological discussion. Uh, and speaking of important theological discussions, we have a voicemail mm. from none other than our w- voicemailer. <laughs> our regular contributor. Our regular contributor, uh, Hannah Wilder, the Reverend Hannah Wilder. She sent us a great voicemail about our episode a couple of weeks ago about uh, quote unquote doubting Thomas. Actually, I was thinking about this. We do the, I've come kind of full circle on this name because our our kind of whole deconstruction, reconstruction of the Thomas story is that doubt is a good thing, mm. that carrying doubt is not bad. And so maybe doubting Thomas is like really important for him to be the symbol of how good it is. So maybe we do call him doubting Thomas. Maybe you do. You don't like it still. I, d- okay. I still don't like it. Yeah. It strikes me as the nickname you had as a child that you never wanted. Right. Yeah. So he also is very courageous in other parts of the, mm-hmm. of, the, of the Bible, of the same, of the Gospel of John. So anyway, uh, maybe that could be next week's poll about <laughs> Doubting Thomas. Do you like the name? Don't like the name? Um, she had some thoughts about uh, Doubting Thomas, so we're going to play that now. Take it away, Hannah Wilder. Hi, David and Charlotte. It's Hannah Wilder. And I just listened to Faith to Go for this week about so-called Doubting Thomas. And thanks for a great podcast. It was thought-provoking, and I definitely am thinking about this um, idea of everybody grieving differently and the idea that wounds don't necessarily have to heal and make us better or stronger. They can just always be a part of us, and um, that's definitely a new thought for me. So thank you. And then what I want to say about Thomas is that I think he totally gets a bad rap because you know there were other people thinking what he said. You know, and there are people today, like many people who think what he said, which is, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. And like people say that about all kinds of things. And so just um, having been the person who often will say the thing that other people are thinking, but but aren't going to stand up and say because they don't want to lose face or they don't want to ruffle feathers. You know, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've said a thing and then people come up to me later after after the meeting or the conference or the phone call or whatever, and they're like, oh, thank you for saying that, because I was thinking that too, but I wasn't going to open my mouth. So I just want to say to all you people out there that are that person, I'm that person too, and I think that is um, awesome, and it's a role to play, and it is 
like something that needs to be said. And the fact that this scripture is one that we hear every single year, A, B, and C, tells me how important it is, you know. So I just wanted to offer that as a possible third point for the podcast this week. Thanks for the great work that you do. Keep it up. All right. Thanks, Hannah, for sending that for your thoughts. Uh, we love that third point. That was mm-hmm. great about Thomas not only be not only being our symbol of another way of being actually courageous, like you're talking about, of kind of naming the thing that no one wants to name, uh, being vulnerable and being honest uh, with where you are. You know, who knows how many of the of the disciples? Um, I mean, all of them actually reacted the same way when Mary Magdalene came and told them the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. You know. So everyone has those doubts and, and everyone is thinking that that stuff. Uh, we would love again to hear from any and all of you about your week of faith discussion or reflection, any of your points that you, that came up for you when you're reading of the gospel or thinking about the gospel for this upcoming week, uh, or for any podcast episodes that you've heard in the past, we'd love your input. We'd also love to hear any of your stories of, uh, seeing or feeling God's movement in your life. You can email us, uh, you can call us and leave a voicemail, send a text message, you can follow us on Instagram, or you can go to our website and message us through there. It's also where you're going to find all the faith to go resources for discussion and reflection with yourself, with uh, groups, with your family. And so we would love to hear from you any and all of those ways. You can find all of those ways to get in contact with us listed in the description for this podcast episode. And now... We're going to move on to the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, May 15th, the fifth Sunday after Easter, like I said. Charlotte's going to read it. I'll give the briefest amount of context, which is similar to much of the context I've given before in this exact same time of year. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we'll each have a point. So the gospel for this upcoming Sunday is John 13, verses 31 to 35. When Judas was gone, Jesus said, Now the human one has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify the human one in himself and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I'm with you for a little while longer. You will look for me, but just as I told the Jewish leaders, I also tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, love each other, just as I have loved you, so you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love each other. All right. So here we are back in chapter 13. So we're, a, we're three chapters ahead of where we were last week um, in chapter 10. So now we're in chapter 13. And now Jesus has entered Jerusalem and has this is within the context of his last meal with his disciples during the Passover, the Last Supper. So that's where we are we're in that we're in that room that's been prepared for them to have their meal. Um, he's just washed to their feet and then told uh, about his told them about that someone is going to betray him and then said to Judas, hey, go do what you have to do. And then as we see here, it says at the Last Supper when Judas had gone out and that's kind of the lectionary people giving you some context because that's not the actual words in the verse. It says when he had gone, Jesus turned and said to them. And so that's where we are. So we're we're reading a different translation because of something similar to to what we talked about a few weeks ago about the translation of the term the Jews, and this says the Jewish religious leaders, mm-hmm. the Jewish, Jewish leaders. leaders. Uh, so we chose that version over the New Revised Standard Version, which is uh, which is the one you'll be hearing in an Episcopal church this Sunday if you go, unless they're using an alternative version. And so we're in Jerusalem. We're 
in the beginning of what we refer to as the farewell discourse in John, which is those many chapters uh, during their time in Jerusalem when Jesus is uh, telling them all these things about what it's going to be like when he's gone. So this is the beginning of that. And uh, you might see in your Bible, this is called the new commandment, Mm -hmm. this love one another. And uh, I think that's what you're going to talk about. It is. It's time for Charles Point. Well, and it's interesting, David, because I normally read the New Revised Standard Version um, of most most of the times that I read the Bible, and mm-hmm. it is called the New Commandment in there. But here in the Common English Bible, it's actually listed as the Love Commandment. There you go. I know, um, which I thought was interesting because that is what I want to talk about is this last part that we get, which is I give you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you. So you also must love each other. And it's this just as I have loved you that resonates with me. And candidly, I have preached on this before. Mm-hmm. And when I have talked about it, it has been our call to love through difference. Um, and so the way that we love each other who don't look like us, act like us, pray like us, have the same means as us, vote like us, um, any of those things that we are still called to love those people. And that is what God's love looks like is that we love God loves each of us um, with no expectation of what we are going to do or what we, who we are, we are just loved. Mm -hmm. And so in this um, I've always seen clearly um, our call to, to love that same way, even when it's uncomfortable or hard. But this week, I was thinking about the other ways that we can see love, and particularly when we reflect on Jesus's ministry, because love didn't always look like being compassionate and kind. Certainly, he was those things sometimes. Um, But sometimes love looked like table flipping, Mm -hmm. and sometimes love looked like accountability, telling hard truths like, Nobody got told more hard hard truths, and maybe I'm incorrect, but in my head, nobody got told more hard truths than Peter. Um, (laughs) That's what I was going to (laughs) say. Right? Like Peter's entire life was Jesus telling him hard truths. Yeah. Um, But that is, to a certain extent, one of the ways that we forget love can look like, because sometimes we only think about love through the lens of coddling people, perhaps Mm -hmm. nurturing, maybe might be a kinder word because coddling is a loaded Mm -hmm. word. Um, But that we think about, oh, I show love by being kind, by giving mercy. Um, We even sometimes think that love can look like justice, for sure. But very rarely do I consider that love looks like accountability. Because there's an element of shame that goes with accountability. And you have to be careful about how you hold people accountable so that you are not, in fact, your intent cannot be to shame them. Right. Um, it is to be in relationship with the other person, to love them the way that Christ loves them, and to name the hard truth to them in love. Yeah. Um, Tim, my husband, is definitely my largest support network and loves me and supports me and is also the person most likely to call me out on my nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because he loves me. Mm-hmm. And most of the time he does that respectfully. We're humans. Um, But also like I really and truly appreciate that because I need people in my life whose love for me isn't candy coated. Mm -hmm. That it's not just about lifting me up. Um, I want that too. 
But I also want to be in relationship with people who when I have gone astray or when I am making missteps or that I am perhaps not living into the commandments as well, God's commandments for us and loving each other as well as I could, who are going to reality check me and hold me accountable for it and doing that in a loving way, um, not in an abrasive or harsh way. Um, certainly, I have enough internal self-talk around shame that I don't need anybody else to shame me. Um, I think that's true for all of us, but love can look like that too. And I love the, I I love the idea um, that in this commandment that we can really consider all of the different things that love can look like. What, how does love look like justice? How does love look like compassion? How does love look like accountability? Um, how does love look like speaking truth to power? Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that kind of goes to my point because I am, I wonder how that love then extends to a, a person like Judas, a figure that is kind of like our symbol for the un, the unredeemable person, you know, the unforgivable one, the person that at least in the kind of mythology of Judas never gets his redemption. When all the other, even Peter, who denies Jesus, you know, gets that amazing story by the by the Sea of Tiberias and gets his redemption. Um, but what about Judas? And like you said in the in your kind of preamble to to your point is like, and nobody's beyond God's love. You know, like you can't do a single thing that would make God not love you. And yet Judas becomes the one that is unlovable. You know that has crossed kind of beyond the bounds of human of the human to just be kind of this like embodiment of evil and betrayal. And so I'm just, I'm struck by the fact that, um, that Jesus says these words after Judas has left and thinking about the larger context of this reading, uh, and these words by Jesus that, that in relationship to Judas, that maybe Jesus is like, is pushing, pushing our conception of love even further than that and actually calling them to a love that goes beyond their little group of people for, and maybe that's why he waits till Judas is gone, not in order to exclude Judas, but, but to show them the length and the, and the, the lengths to which love needs to go in the future, um, in order to do the work that he's asking them to do in the world. And so before this is, like I said, the foot washing and then the Passover meal and Jesus gives out the bread and the wine and um or maybe it's just bread and john i have to go back and look but um judas is there for both of those things mm-hmm. you know so like it's not that jesus doesn't love judas and so and so to say that like judas be leaving before jesus says this makes means that judas is excluded from that kind of love jesus is talking about would be uh untrue mm-hmm. and it would go against the larger context of the story and so G- jesus loves judas in this in his like physical intimate way of foot washing in his service to him he loves him in in this kind of communal way of having a meal with him and at the same time he loves him enough to let him walk out and do the thing he's gonna do you know it's like a non-controlling kind of love that jesus is embodying in his relationship with judas he doesn't try to change his mind he just kind of looks at him and says you know whatever you need to do you're gonna do And I think kind of implied in that is, and look what I've just done for you, knowing that you're going to do that. I love you. I still love you no matter what you do. 
And so I wonder if when he, when Jesus, when I wonder if Jesus saying this to them is prompted by Judas leaving, that he's like, Judas is gone. Jesus knows what Judas is going to do. Jesus knows how the, res- the, the disciples might respond to Judas doing that thing. And he turns to them and says, listen, no matter what happens, you have to love one another and love one another includes Judas mm-hmm. to me. And I wonder, I wonder if that got lost on them because it doesn't seem like they incorporated him back into the fold, right? You know, right? And so I wonder if I wonder what that means for us. Like, who was Judas to us? You know, who who is who is the person that when G, when you hear these words, you like can't imagine loving that person after what they've done? Who can't be redeemed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's the one that we think is unredeemable? Mm-hmm. And Judas maybe didn't get his redemption, and maybe that means that the commandment, you know, goes unfulfilled until we can, until we can love that person. And that's not to say that we are that Jesus isn't like I wouldn't say that Jesus is approving of what Judas is going to do necessarily. Um, it's still not like, it still leads to a lot of suffering, you know? And so it's not, it's not like, um, support of causing suffering in the world, but there is like, it is, it does, it is an example of how big Jesus sees this concept of love being, you know, that it can incorporate all everyone. It really can include every single person, even Judas. And so, uh, that probably, that makes me uncomfortable. Because I, there are some people that I just don't want. That is really hard for me to love them, mm-hmm. you know. And I think it's hard for us. There are people in our lives that are hard for us to love because of things that they've done. And so, but but Jesus washes Judas's feet, knowing what he's going to do. He eats with him, knowing what he's going to do. The last thing he does is eat bread and then leaves, mm-hmm. you know. And then Jesus says, "You have to love one another and everybody." So, well, and David, as you were talking, I was thinking about the fact that we are called to love everybody, even the people that challenge us most, even the people that have hurt us. And yet, sometimes love looks like healthy boundaries. Yeah. Um, sometimes love looks like separation from someone who does you harm, particularly if that's physical harm. Um, and that the love in that situation is love that we can call on God to share with those people. Because in those moments when we don't think that we have it in us, we don't have to do it by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that God is with us even in those places too. Yeah. Yeah. And the boundaries thing is important. You know, it's not like, it's not like you, it's not like they, it's, this is the thing is like, it's not like they're Jesus saying, pretend, just pretend like Judas never did this thing, mm-hmm. you know? But it is like asking the question, what, what is, how does love show us the way forward mm-hmm. in each of these complicated dynamic situations? And yeah, maybe love is, you know, in a health, in like a loving way, going separate ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's, maybe that is the story of Judas that like, maybe love looked to them like going in separate ways, but um there's like there's just a depth to love that goes beyond mm-hmm. what he's done, I mm-hmm. think. And that love that we get through God. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. it's just it's like a tension it's like a holding that tension of like saying, I'm not gonna be in a relationship with people that just keep hurting me over and over and over again. That's not what Jesus is asking. 
but it's also like what does love look like in that mm-hmm. in that context in that situation and jesus like you said love can look at all these different ways mm-hmm. and so just discerning what love looks like in in each you know different scenario all right so uh that's our two points for this week um we would always love to hear your third point uh, if you'd like to send it to us uh, to recap number one was uh, Charlotte's point just about yeah the multifaceted way that love works in the world the multifaceted ways we can embody this love that Jesus embodied in all the ways that he embodied it going above and beyond maybe some of the more popular ways we understand love and number two was like that one and it was about uh, Judas and just the ways that as an example you know Ju- Jesus shows this intimate embodied love love towards a person he knows is going to hurt him uh who's going to betray him was going to do something that that made to the rest of them seem unredeemable and jesus still invites them to discern what love looks like uh amongst them between them and judas and invites us to do the same thing for people maybe that have hurt us or for people uh that we find hard uh to love what does love look like in our context in our situation in our particular place and time so having heard those uh, three points, we two points, we'd love to hear from you uh, what your point would have been. We'd love to hear where you saw or felt God this week. We'd love to hear any of your stories or questions or comments from your faith discussion and reflection. You can email us. You can uh, contact us through our website where you can also find all the faith to go resources. You can tag us on Instagram uh, or send us a message on Instagram. And you can also call us, leave us a voicemail or send us a text message and we'll share those on the show. You can find all those ways to get in contact with us listed in the description for this episode. And we will be back next week with special guest, the Reverend Jeff Martinhawk, mm-hmm. CFO for the Diocese of San Diego, and all around fun guy. I was going to say an excellent human. Yes. Um, and that will be uh, discussing the sixth Sunday of Easter. Until then, we say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, goodbye. everybody.